I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side of the phone. It is time to enjoy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my festive podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? How dare these nurses be so ungrateful and go on strike? We went out on all those Thursdays and clapped for them. And now, if we ask for a tiny bit in return, such as cleaning up our poo and our sick and delivering our babies and putting suppositories up our ass and asking how many fingers we can see when we've killed over onto a pavement after drinking 35 tequilas at a Christmas party or removing our genitals from a hairdryer without asking how they got there and calming down a student who's swallowed a mug of mushrooms and is convinced he's being chased by Bugs Bunny, they complain they want to be paid as well. The current pay offer will leave them about 7% worse off than they were. But they were hardly paid anything anyway, so they won't notice that 7%. Whereas the billionaires in Britain became 20% wealthier during the pandemic. If they were to have their salaries cut by 7%, that'd be a huge amount. So it wouldn't make any sense to do things that way round. But it's not just the nurses who are being selfish, is it? Because there are currently 50,000 vacancies for medical staff that the NHS can't fill as the pay and conditions are so poor. That means... There are 50,000 lazy pigs who are too idle to spend all day giving people bed baths for less money than they need to live on. So we should ask the police to track down these 50,000 who are holding the country to ransom. But the trouble is the police are short of staff as well. So first we need to find the selfish assholes who aren't signing up to join them. Now, Rishi Sunak insists that we can't give in to the demands of the unions because now is not a time for greed. And this proves what a strong character he is. Because it must have made his domestic life really tricky. His wife, who's richer than the Queen, insisted on keeping her non-domicile status so she could pay less tax. So every morning for years, he must have said to her, I have made my position quite clear. In the interests of this country, it is essential that you pay the proper sum to the Treasury so that we can maintain a tight fiscal policy. And I expect she replied, oh yeah, fuck that, it's my money, mine! I want to buy a llama farm and a hovercraft and a Rembrandt painting and then cut it up and use it as table mats. But then Rishi will have said, Given the perilous financial state of our economy, I cannot accept your demands as they will lead to further inflationary trends within the economy and an increase in uncertainty. And then she'll have said, shut your mouth. I'm keeping it all. I want a pool table made out of swan feathers designed by Damien Hurst. And then he must have said, oh, all right, then I tried my best. 
And you don't get Boris Johnson making a fuss demanding a 10% rise. He's earned almost a million pounds in the three months since he resigned as Prime Minister. He made £277,000 in one day making a speech for an investment bank. Now, some people complain that he's supposed to be a member of Parliament in Uxbridge instead of doing all this. But if you live in Uxbridge and you have an urgent issue that you need your MP to help you with, you can still ask him a question. All you have to do is set up an investment bank and then pay Boris Johnson £277,000 and he'll be straight round. And then you can ask him, Mr Johnson, while you're here, I need to talk to you about the pothole in my road. One other man who has tried to put the case for the government is Andrew Haynes. He's the executive of Network Rail. He didn't have a pay rise at all last year, and you don't see him complaining. Now, it's true that he started with a salary of £588,000, but even so, he's prepared to make that sacrifice. And it's only fair that he's paid this much, as his contribution to society is so much greater than anything the nurses do. And that's why during the pandemic, although we pretended to clap the nurses, most of us were in private thinking about the amazing service of Andrew Haynes, executive of Network Rail. Because after all, without him, none of us would be where we are. Because we'd all be where the train would have taken us if it hadn't been cancelled by his useless train company. As you know, we like to get a wide range of views on this podcast, so here, once again, is the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, with us uh, now, God help us, is Kelly Graham. She's on strike! So let's see if she can be bothered to talk to us or will she demand an extra 50 quid a word? Hello, Mike. Um, Can I say this is the first time I've ever been on strike and it's not something anyone takes lightly. So families all over Britain won't be able to see their loved ones because there are no trains and you don't care. Well, I, I do care, Mike, but I'm not sure I can help with the trains. I'm a nurse at Birmingham Royal Infirmary. Oh, I see. So, because of some old union regulation that nurses can't drive trains, <laughs> you're going to leave us all stranded in the snow. Well, if I could talk about the reasons why we have very reluctantly decided to take this action. Have you seen the story about the parcels left lying around in depots because you lot won't deliver them? I'm not a postal worker, Mike. I work in A&E. What if someone sends a dead squirrel in the post, eh? That's just going to be left lying around. And what are dead squirrels attract? Crocodiles, that's what. Next thing, the town's riddled with them and they're attacking everyone, but you don't care. Mike, I'm a nurse. If there was an infestation of crocodiles, obviously we would do all we could. So let me ask you, Kelly... If on Christmas Day you're chopping some carrots and you slice your own finger, are you going to put a plaster on it? Yes, of course. I can't see. Oh, so you don't mind carrying on being a nurse for yourself, but if it's for anyone else, you can't be bothered. Mike, what is the matter with you? We've been underpaid for years. I bet you were out clapping. What if there's a cruise ship that capsizes in Birmingham and 20,000 people are rescued from the sea? You'll refuse to look after them, I suppose. Well, of course, if there's a major emergency, nurses will report for duty. But I should point out that Birmingham isn't even on the coast. Yes, it is. See ya, Kelly. 
that's enough of that idiot. No wonder Harry Kane missed that penalty. Here's Brian Ferry's son with today's knitting pattern. Now, amongst the wonderful people that have been uh, advising us, assisting us in finding out what the fuck is going on, none have been better than the person who's with me today. Someone who runs, who sort of, well, co-hosts their own podcast called We Are History, but really ought to be called What the Fuck is Going On in the Past. (laughs) Angela Barnes. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Okay, but I'm very proud. So you're just back from, where have you just come back from? I've just come back from Berlin. I got in at one o'clock this morning and because um, we were supposed to come back on Monday, but because of the snow at Gatwick, we got two extra days in Berlin, which obviously, as you can imagine, I was gutted about. Was that because of Gatwick or was that, the can't have been the Germans with their efficient Teutonic oh, no, snow clearing methods? It was entirely Gatwick. Obviously, it was entirely Gatwick. <laughs> A bit of snow on the runway. It's so embarrassing because my family are from Newfoundland you know, in Canada, where it's minus 20 and they literally, you can't have snow days in Newfoundland. You have to get up an hour earlier and dig your car out and bloody well drive to work. You know, you can't. So they just see what the chaos we have and laugh at us. Yeah, we just collapse. If the bloody Germans, instead of trying to invade us in the summer of 1940, if they just waited till January 1941... Yeah, we'd have been a took doddle, over mate. In about twenty-five minutes, no, wouldn't it? No problem at all. Sorry, the army can't, can't come get, out today. We can't We're snowed in. in. Oh, man, there's, there's <laughs> we have... bloody ice. Big and hills covered in ice. The Spitfires. <laughs> I mean, if you could, what can we do? We haven't got snow chains for our tanks. We're screwed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know it's such a what a fucking country. I know. Oh, how do we carry on? And we carry on still imagining we're the best. Could win Britain and we can't do anything. It's so embarrassing. This is partly why I love Germany, right? I'm a bit of a Germanophile because what, like Germany, I think the reason I'm sorry, you've already mentioned, I do a history podcast. I'm a bit of a history nerd, particularly 20th century history. And I find Germany so interesting because I can't think of any other country that went through such extreme regime changes over the period of a century, you know, to go from yeah, yeah. basically a, yeah. a, a sort of. Um, empire to to the Weimar to Nazis to being a split into a communist and you know yeah, all yeah. that within no, they sort of everything, 60 they? they gave You've everything got, a go give, give, them, give them their due and, and despite their dark <laughs> early 20th century history what they have got now is like the the generations that didn't live through that yeah, they they have they at least have the sort of decency to carry a bit of shame for what their forefathers did, whereas we you know we trampled all over the universe causing havoc, and then we're like, but we still celebrate that we're like, yeah, we had an empire. It's like do you, do people even know what that meant, <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a really important thing about the 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 sort of British characteristic. And I think it is British. Uh, I I don't think the Scots and Welsh get away with this. Mm. I think that we do, you're absolutely right. We've sort of this, that sense that we're still entitled to everything. Yeah. There's not been any sort of truth and reconciliation, has there? None at (laughs) all. That, that, uh, uh, no, we still think we're, I think that, that sort of informs even the sport. It's like, why aren't we winning? The natural order has been disturbed somehow. Sort the fucking natural order out. Sack the people who've upset things. We should just be able to win and everything. And there's still, you know, I was brought up a bit older than you, obviously. I was brought up. I do remember the map on the wall, the thing that people have as a joke, you know, that, that uh, that this was ours, this was ours. I used to do yeah. a bit about it in the act. 
this was ours, this was ours, this was ours, this was ours, <laughs> that's America. We gave that bit back. I remember we were all going, oh, fucking who done that? We could have had the Grand Canyon of that. Some fucker gave it back. <laughs> and we think, and there's a certain part of society who think the world still sees us that way, who thinks that we're, mm. we've got no self-awareness about, I, I, we're like scrappy-doo as a country. I think we think we're this big bull British bulldog that is, you know, can frighten everyone is, is sort of <laughs> dominant and what we actually are with that stupid little poppy going let me at them you know that's actually <laughs> just could, the, the other countries just move out or ignore that that's just scrappy do <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. over there don't just keep out the way there's a fucking great rod at least yeah exactly that's who we are <laughs> Yes. Oh, God. We're gonna leave. We're gonna leave the kennels. We're <laughs> better off on our own without being brought down by the all these bloody St. Bernards and outside. Well, if you want, but you're a bit mental. Why won't you give me well, your pedigree chart? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which mean I've got to find my we own pedigree chart. <laughs> yeah, we've set up new trade deals. <laughs> With the, with the red setter down the road and with a poodle in Liechtenstein. I don't know if you notice this. I, I know it's sort of, well, obviously we all notice it. The British, the English attitude towards language. If you, so I speak. Uh, I think you speak better German than I speak French. Oh, I don't French. know about that. You've I've done, done shows, shows in French. French. <laughs> I've never done a show no, in German. you could have spoken in German, definitely. No, you could do. And I find that sometimes publicly, if you speak French, speak French to someone, or I've noticed this certainly, if I put something on Twitter in French, some, sometimes I think, oh, there'll be French, a few French people who follow me now. And uh, I put something, particularly over the football. And then there'll always be two or three people go, ooh, I'll at you, you agree, Ponce. As a very English, Thing with your funny words yeah. and your bloody lots of apostrophes and your and there's always a couple of I, you would never get that in another country if someone from Italy wrote something in English you wouldn't get people going ooh look at you with your it's our our lack of any other language I find it sort of embarrassing that when you go to Germany or France anywhere really on mainland Europe. And of course, everyone can speak like uh, English, and and I know that part of that is is because they were taught from a younger age, and also they're exposed to sort of American films, American TV series, etc. From a younger age, so they get that osmosis that we don't get with other language because we, you know, didn't have foreign language TV growing up or whatever. But it's so embarrassing yeah, yeah. this idea that it's somehow, like you say, it's sort of that you're above yourself to bother learning another language, you yeah. know, and and the fact that. Even my husband, bless it, when I'm when we were in Germany and I was talking German to people, he'd be like, "Oh, that's that's amazing that you can do that." And it's like, "Yeah, but they're all speaking English." <laughs> like, you know, it's just we're, we're so yeah, yeah. embarrassingly bad at languages in this country, and we don't really have an excuse for it other than which it's just not encouraged because. Why do you need to speak French? They all speak English. Why do you need to speak German? They all speak English. I used to have a line of reactors where I'd say uh, we could meet a Dutch bloke who speaks 74 languages, but we still think we're cleverer than him because he speaks English with a slight Dutch accent. So true. Or they'll get one word wrong. You're like, (laughs) idiot. What's the matter with you? (laughs) One of my best friends is Dutch and her English is so good. You'd barely even 
there's barely yeah. an accent. It's so perfect, her English. And she's studied, she went to university here, you know, done two degrees. She's doing a PhD right now in English and everything. You know, it's perfect, her English. Yeah, I remember once really taking the piss out of her because she got um, sideboard and wardrobe mixed up. <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's not no, a that wardrobe. Is, you fucking that is idiot. pretty sick. <laughs> sideboard, yeah, you're talking about? You're gonna hang up your jumper in a sideboard, are you? What an idiot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we do have to. Uh, we, uh, uh, incidentally, if you really want to learn about the the, the philosophy of a language, <sighs> try um, Farsi. Blimey. Oh, are you learning? Not that I'm going to learn it. No, no, no. I'm going to try. Only learning in the sense that every now and again, Chappie will say something like, uh, oh, we have a phrase. And everything is just so gloriously poetic. She'll say, uh, oh, yes, because uh, what my dad's just said, she'll say, is a, a phrase that is, the almond that is underneath the orange is smaller but more beautiful and gives off the pungent essence of the snow <laughs> that we that we might find in the desert with a... <laughs> that's, that's just three words. Brilliant. Just, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Everything seems to be like that. Oh. It's amazing. Right. Um, so, now, here's a very English thing. Yes. Nurses. Yes. Are they good or are they bad? You used to be one. I used to be a nurse. Are you a horror or are you an angel? Well, I mean, I was a horror of a nurse. We know I wasn't a good nurse, (laughs) Mark. We know that for a fact. Because when that pandemic started in 2020, not one of my nurse friends suggested I go back to it. (laughs) I think that's quite telling of how good a nurse I was. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't have the skills anymore. It was a long time ago. I I, I did my nurse training. I wasn't nursing for very long. Um, I reckon... I reckon in a medical emergency now, I'd be more useful than a dental nurse, but less useful than someone who's watched all of Holby. That's what I reckon. That's where I'm at. Um, but obviously, nurse leeches. You got? Would you? Was that, was that the, the training oh, up until up until 2007? Sling a leech on it, love. I'm not that old. <laughs> No, I'm not, I'm not. no, it was more a comment on the state of oh, health right, permits than on your. Yeah, you were yeah. nursing a long time ago. What is it's leeches? Yeah, they still do though, don't they? Still use them. Um, they probably get paid better than most nurses. The leeches. Um, they get so they get fed better. If it hurts, bite on this. We're going to saw it off. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. So, but uh, if, if this is the um. Yeah, obviously we can we can you know mock the uh, some of the comments made by the establishment mm. over this, but the Daily Mirror front page was a big you know time to support the nurses. Two thirds of the population support the strikes. This is a, a new world we're in now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I think you know nurses are sort of held up as angels, which trust me, having done the job and not wanted to keep doing it a lot of them absolutely are and i so i could you know um, nurses are something that is demonstrable that we need you know in a lot more than other well than for mps for example um you know there's a tangible need for people to care for the sick that's something you can't live without in life and people know that and understand that and you know you can't have the same people going out clapping their hands on a Thursday night during a global pandemic for these people that literally put their lives on the line. You know, over 200 nurses died of COVID. Let's not forget that. Um, You can't be clapping for them on a Thursday night and going, thank you, and then saying, 
they don't deserve a pay rise and they can't strike. And they're not what they're asking for isn't in you know what they're asking for is they had seven years of a pay cap and then measly pay rises lower than inflation ever since. So you can't be clapping for them one minute and then calling them greedy the next. It's bullshit. And they're doing a job that you know. It, People don't go into nursing for the money, but at the same time, you shouldn't be doing that job and using a food bank, right? Or having to get a second job. I don't know about you, but I don't want someone taking my stitches out who's been working at BP all night because she can't afford to feed her kids. You know, I it should be you do your shift and that is all you have to worry about because it's intense and you're on your feet all the time and it is hard work. And this idea that these people are greedy makes me feel sick to my stomach. That how an MP who claims expenses for their fucking heating their horses' stables begrudges a pay rise in line with inflation for nurses is, well, it's nothing short of obscene, is it? It's just grotesque. That was uh, yeah, name Zadawi did that, didn't he? On the other hand, though, to be fair, the ex-health secretary, I think, did set a good example in how to try and improve uh, your income because he improved his income by going on I'm a celebrity now if the nursing unions if the nursing unions sent all of their members out onto I'm a celebrity six weeks no four weeks 400 grand then they wouldn't be using food banks. Yeah, and we'd all be much so more aware you know, of um, dyslexia as well because that's why Matt Hancock went isn't it and uh, I seem yeah, to remember yeah, yeah. that's all he talked about was dyslexia and raising awareness of it. And now we all know all about it. So it, it, it obviously works. Um, so, yes, yeah, send yeah. all the nurses. Problem solved. And now I'm, you know, now we're all aware that he's a tunk. Yeah. <laughs> so, Angela, what can we see you on over Christmas, after Christmas? You're going on tour, aren't I you? I am going on tour. I'm going on tour. It starts in February um, through till June, July, and then I'll be doing another leg in the autumn, which will be going on sale next year. So tickets on sale for the first leg uh, on my website, angelabarnescomedy.co.uk. And I also, um, there's my podcast, you mentioned it before, that I do with lovely John O'Farrell. We do a, a funny history podcast. Uh, like I say, what the fuck is going on in the past is basically what it is. Um, and that's called We Are History. So that's on all your podcast things. May I thoroughly recommend both of them? I would also say I'm personally not going to buy a ticket for your show, Angela, but I am going to go out to the end of the path and clap uh, every <laughs> Thursday for you. Brilliant. I'll take that. That's the same, isn't it? As money. That feeds the dog. Thank you so Bye. much, Angela Barnes. Thanks for having me. The Meghan and Harry documentary on Netflix has caused a great deal of controversy and seems to divide British society like nothing ever has. One person who has objected to the whole thing is Tory MP Nadine Boris. Nadine, what is it about the Harry and Meghan documentary that offended you? That fucking American cow. Did you see her? Taking the piss out of our dead queen. 
Well, I'll tell you this for nothing. If that Meghan Markle shows her face round here, she'll end up with more scratches than Scuzzy Dave's escort when he tried to drive it down that alleyway when the cops were after him. But what was it that you found so offensive? The way she fucking curtsied. The shithouse. Call that a curtsy. I've seen Sally Jones looking more dignified when she was noshing off two blokes in the bogs at the penny farthing. The more I look at that curtsy, the more offended I am. Maybe stop looking at it? Oh, well maybe you should stop looking at your S&M porn or whatever it is you're into. Now I find that offensive. Boring, boring. You're just jealous because it's Christmas and you're still a virgin. I bet you couldn't even get a snog off Janine at the grapes at the office party when she was off her tits on Jaeger bombs. Anyway... Are you going to buy me a drink or what? Oh, come on, it's fucking Christmas. Don't leave me on me own, you shithousey little shithouse. Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. And it is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join these wonderful virtuous, radiant, saintly people for as little as £2 a month. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really find out the heart of what the fuck is going on, for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode. Ad-free! I'd listen to anything if it was ad-free. Uh, and the the ad free version is just four pounds a month. This is an ad for an ad free item I'm aware, and uh, uh, that also has extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week we've got Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chislehurst Hydrangea, who has very kindly given his uh, latest thoughts on uh, late Majesty, and you'll be able to take part in Ask Me Anything sessions like the one we did the other day um, on Monday, uh, and you'll get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, clawing, clawing at the door, crazily screaming, why do I have to wait until Saturday morning? You have to be one of those people. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Now, good people of the WTF community, a few announcements. The favourite part of the week. It's announcements time. There should be sort of heralds, shouldn't there? There should be a man banging a drum in the town square. Oh, yeah. Oh, that part. I wonder if people always hated announcements. And back in the sort of 1500s, people thought, oh, fucking shut up, mate. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Just a few announcements. Oh, for fuck's sake. The first announcement is we're going to take a, a break over Christmas. So we'll be back on the 7th of January or 6th of January if you're a Patreon supporter. Another announcement is that also in the new year, we're going to have our first ever live show at the Bill Murray Theatre. It's a lovely little comedy club up in uh, North London, fucking North London, but North London on Tuesday, January the 24th at 8pm. Now, it looks like the tickets are sold out. In fact, I think they are sold out already, but so they might release a few more uh, if they build an extension onto the building before then. So put your name on the waiting list or whatever, but we, as it has sold out really quickly, we are going to be doing another live show at a bigger venue, probably in March. Listen out for that. When we've sorted that out, you can, um, you can come and see us there. And then who knows? Then there'll be a global tour. We'll be like the Stones. We won't know whether we're in Kathmandu or Tokyo. Uh, 
Also, people have been getting... Oh, also, I'm doing a load of... I'm doing a series of shows next year. About 50, I think. Um starting on February the 5th in Derby. If you go on Mark Steele Tour in Google, then uh, they'll all be on there. Uh, they're not all on the website yet, but they, they will all be there. And as ever, as predicted, as soon as I put this on social media, this is the dates, immediately there were people going, why aren't you coming to Halifax? Why aren't you coming to Oswald Street? What's wrong? What's wrong with Vanuatu? What have you got against us? Uh, but... Uh, we are doing Vanuati, but the tickets aren't out yet. Um, so, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Dave Barker of the Patreon um, uh, subscription says, if scientists are making great breakthroughs in fusion power, which promises us all limitless free energy with no nasty side effects... Not sure I entirely agree with that, but anyway. Then what on earth will our misguided leaders use for excuses to invade other countries if oil won't be the reason? This is a thing that um, we've got used to this, haven't we, over the last 60 years or maybe more. Oh, the reason for this war, it's oil. They say it's about human rights, but it's oil. Certainly, you know, they're pretty, it's, it's pretty certain that if Iraq didn't have any oil in it, like then George W. Bush and Tony Blair would not have been so concerned to get Iraq under Western control. That I think that's that's not particularly controversial to say that. That if their main uh if, if their main source of income was wind chimes, they wouldn't have cared quite so much about making sure that it was Western armies that controlled it all and, and, and so on. But I don't, but I think that people who are sort of anti-war have sort of tend to suggest that oil is the reason for all wars when it's not necessarily true. The Falklands War was not about, oh, and I remember sort of people at the time going, yeah, you know what they've done? They found oil under the Falklands. Yeah, that's what it is. That's why we're going out there. You know, them penguins, they're all mules. They swallow oil. In, in little packets, little plastic bags. That's what they do because there's oil there. And then they get they get a ship, they come over here, and then they shit out the bags of oil. And that's why we're really, that's what we're really there for. I don't think there's, I don't think there was, I think that was the reason. It was because a country has to sort of maintain a, a sense of like we're in charge, doesn't it? I think it is as simple as that. And like, uh, it would have just not looked good for Margaret Thatcher if under her watch a chunk of the empire had, had been taken away. Um, incidentally on that, I did see a brilliant thing on social media, someone put, that they said, bear in mind this is before the World Cup final, they put, uh, it's it a joke, but they put, I've heard that the UN along with FIFA have agreed that if Argentina win the World Cup, they they will say to Lionel, Lionel Messi, you can have anything you want in the world. And I've heard that he's already decided he wants the Falkland Islands. <laughs> Wouldn't that be brilliant? Uh, but I think it's not always all. After all, oil has been a sort of major commodity for, I don't know, a couple of hundred years. It's There were wars before that. <laughs> there were, the Romans did have a big bash at Carthage. It wasn't 
oil. No, it was oil. That's what it was really about. They wanted the oil. I don't think they. I don't think they did. There was a hundred years war. Was that? Yeah, there was just back. There wasn't so much oil back then. There was just one tin of Castrol GTX, and the British and the French spent a hundred years fighting over it. And do you know the stupid thing? At the end, the the French, just as they were winning, they fucking one of their bloody. Cavalry tipped it over. Alan Thornley on Twitter says, I've just listened to the most recent episode, the BA thing. Now, uh, what Alan's referring to here, if you didn't hear, is that uh, I, along with Shappy, we were going to Turkey and then couldn't go. So, months in advance, we tried to get in touch with British Airways to say we couldn't go. And uh, it's just, it's utterly, utterly impossible to get in touch with them in any way at all. I think you would need to sort of find out a secret location where they are and then come in dangling from a helicopter with sort of, uh, while carrying a a rifle, an automatic weapon, and and to sort of blast your way in past hundreds of guards in sort of blue boiler suits. <laughs> you know, like in the, the end of one of the more ridiculous Bond films. Um, so Alan says, I got about £700 worth of disruption expenses out of British Airways a few months ago. You must have earned that, Alan. It must have been easier to earn that £700 bloody going out to try and sieve for gold in the hills of California. £700 worth of disruption expenses out of BA a few months ago to cover hotel train taxes after cancellation of connection flight from London to Glasgow. That's fantastic. That's, God, if if you could do that really quickly, and then 700 quid, you'd probably get a taxi, followed by a further sustained complaint and got a refund for the cancelled flight prices. Use this link but they will never phone, never, ever, ever. Heartless. Joe, I think, works for British Airways. Really, like, these fucking arrogant lads who are about 18 who do this to to girls. That's who it is. They go, what's, how many people have you promised to phone? And they, you know, these people that girls go, oh, I can't understand it. I thought he really liked me. And and he just never calls or anything. I just I haven't heard anything. I'm slightly even worried. I just wondered whether he was, whether maybe he's, I don't know, I mean, a weak heart or something. Maybe he's been kidnapped or something. Just never caught. That's who they get. And these people, they just ride into towns, you know, like in, in, in America in 1870, like those blokes who just sort of have their way with the local women folk and then off they go that's who fucking works for british airways so they can just be we we are really really impressed we've seen that there are 35 people that you've promised to call and you've not called any of them you are going straight in as a manager of british airways no matter how, I'll pick, uh, right, we want you to listen to this call. That's their training. We listen to this call. I'm desperate. Please, 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 please ring me back now, please. No, nope, I'm not doing it. In fact, I'm going up the calf for a fucking sausage sandwich while I'm listening to their message begging. Excellent work. You could be a manager at British Airways. They will never, ever answer the call, Alan, but Alan... We, I'm going to go on that link, and uh, I bless you for getting 700 pounds out of the fuckers. 
finally, a big shout out to our latest top tier Patreon supporter. We really need a bugle. Kermit Cole, the magnificently Kermit, the, the magnificently named Kermit Cole. I would, uh, what, I mean, I, no, obviously Kermit, there's only one Kermit we know uh, here because Kermit's not a pop common name except for puppet frogs. And I feel for you, Kermit, because that must be quite something to carry around with you. Uh, but Kermit Cole, big shout out to you. Thank you uh, so much for subscribing to this utter gobbledygook. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Christmas is a time for families and no better time can there be for families at Christmas than when you are as well as enjoying the festive time trying to find out what the fuck is going on because you need the voice of the youth and so with us here especially bred for the occasion is Elliot Still full of the jollity of I, I I'm imagining that we're interrupting you constructing a giant Santa to put on the roof that goes, oh, 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 and lights us all up with jollity. Um, yes. Yes, that is what I have been up to. In fact, this is in the way of my my festive cheer. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Christmas. I do like Christmas. But, like, I've just got, I've just got, I've got a few gigs to get through this week that I don't want to do. Okay, that's always it's always very uh, it's always helpful with a gig if you don't want to be there in the first place. Yeah, but I've got to go to Exeter back in the same night. As they say in the Godfather, this is the path that we have chosen. Mm. Now, unlike any other Christmas that there has ever been, uh, there's a World Cup going on, and the World Cup has gone on for England. So now. Um, what do you make of that then? Because I, uh, the 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 aftermath of this, it seems to me that there's it, there's never been such a sort of political divide as to what should happen with the England team, and I think people who are who sort of aware that Gareth Southgate understands the social reasons why England's have failed and so on, and he supported Black Lives Matter, and the team didn't go down to Downing Street after the the Euro finals, and uh, he's he's obviously supports LGBT rights and so on. That's the, so. People who are in accordance with him on that want Gareth Southgate to stay. The people who don't want him to stay are we're England. What's the matter with us? Fucking Southgate. Those people. What do you reckon? I don't know how much of it exists. I don't know how much of it is. It's just this thing that happens now because of online where everything comes a divided issue. Do you know what I mean? You go on there and say two plus two is four, and then someone else replies, "You need to." You, you, how dare you say two plus two is four? You're a fucking disgrace. And then another person's like, I once knew someone with a four, so you need to be respectful when using the number four as a bit. And like, you just go, what? Like, are any oh, of these people? And then J.K. Rowling, J.K. Rowling tweets that two plus two is four, and then it all kicks off. Oh, so you're on Earth? Yeah, side, yeah, are you? yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if she gets a, but she gets, she has the worst. She gets it badly on Twitter, man. She has the worst time of anyone I've ever seen. She gets it so badly now that if you even come out and go, hey, maybe we shouldn't like, maybe we shouldn't do drawings of our kids being burned alive and sending them to her, and people <laughs> are like, oh, what? You think trans people shouldn't be allowed? And they're like, no, I'm just saying, like that seems a bit extreme. <laughs> anyone who does magic. 
anyone who visits a castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Blaine does a car trick and all of a sudden there's a load of people with pink hair outside his house demanding that he, demanding that he apologises. <laughs> yes. Nonetheless... I think it is. I think there is. Right. So, for example, there was one radio presenter, I can't remember his name, and he honestly said, I think this is the exact words, honestly, he went, the trouble was Harry Kane, when he went to take the second penalty, he was too busy thinking about LGBT rights. Was that? To think about where he was putting the penalty. Is that that guy, Mike Concrete, like the real Mike Concrete? <laughs> is that who it was? I don't know his. I don't know his name. I think he also said that's why we lost to Brazil. And when someone said we weren't playing Brazil, he went, "Yes, we were." <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember his name. Probably. But the idea, Harry, Harry Kane, as he's running up, the trouble was as he was running up, he was thinking. Obviously, we're in. Obviously, we're in tune with the protesters going back from to Stonewall, and um, in the in the nineteen seventies, right up until the modern incarnations of anti-gay hysteria. Oh shit! I put it over the bar. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think people give footballers too much credit, and athletes in general, when they talk about political issues, for what they're thinking about. Because most athletes, have you ever met like an actual professional, like high level athlete? They're, they're usually very dull yeah. people. A lot of them, like they because because their life from the age of three to the current moment in time has just been thinking, how can I do this thing? So how do I do this? It isn't that they're always there thinking about other issues. So then they sort of come, they, you know, that's why when they get, that's why when they retire, they end up getting a gambling problem or anything like that. Because suddenly they've got loads of free time. Now they've got, they're, they're suddenly allowed to think away from the thing. So the idea that Harry Kane, you know, he probably thinks about gay issues as much as like when someone asks him, what do you think about LGBT stuff? And he's just probably like, oh yeah, I've never really given it much thought. So I don't really care. So let them get married or let them get this stuff. He doesn't. His only thing he ever thinks about is how can I move into that bit of space a bit better to put the ball in the back of the net? That's his life. Yes, yes, but I don't think that's true of Gareth Southgate. I think Gareth Southgate's understood that one of the reasons that England has failed has been this sense of entitlement that he's he, and he's been able to overcome it. A sense of entitlement that meant the players didn't like each other, that they would sort of sit at different tables if they were Chelsea or Manchester United or whatever, that there would be players that the black players considered were racist, what does that do to the team? And that it almost certainly were racist. That on one occasion, there was a player whose wife was in the camp selling stories to the son about other pl- other players' wives, including the captains. So you know, he's managed to get on top of it, that, that sense of in- entitlement. I think, and it does matter. So, other you know, I can't imagine that Sam Allardyce or Neil Warnock or uh, uh, Terry Venables would have been as forthright in supporting taking the knee, for example. No, I, imagine Allard- Terry I Venables. Allard- we won- yeah, Allardyce would have uh, would have made him go out there and like, yeah, there would be no to knee taking under Sam Allardyce. I don't think they would have. In fact, that Sam Allardyce would make him make them all go kick the shit out of the other side for taking the knee. They'd call him a bunch of poofs. No, that'd be him. 
Harry Kane would go out with a rainbow flag and then he'd, he'd, he'd roll around on the floor and Allardyce from the sideline would go, get on with it, you bender. And that would be the LGBT, <laughs> the LGBT stars exactly. of the England team. But it, it, if it won us a World Cup, would you take it? Yeah, but it didn't no. win us okay, a World let me, Cup. Let me pose no, a hypothetical. It made England work. <clears throat> let me pose a hypothetical. Say De Canio was to take over England right. and impose fascist, like, racist views, <laughs> right? Right, so they had to come out marching. They come out marching. They come out marching to the, to, to the national anthem yeah. or to, a, to there'll always be an England or something. Yeah. Land of oak and glory. There's loads, right. loads, you know, all of that stuff. All wearing identical hairstyles like the Romanians that time. Yeah, and he comes out, and, but all, all, you know, you say what you want about him. The tubes going to and from Wembley are going to be on time. You can't fault him for that. <laughs> yes. But we win a World Cup. But it is with a racist <laughs> and fascist view. It, it's like you have to, you have to, at the end of it, go, all right, racism and fascism have won us this World Cup, but we did win the World Cup. Would you take it? Well, okay. Well, I, I would, no, but I wouldn't. But, uh, but my point is that I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, this was, this has been an un. This has been an un, un, unusual uh, prelude to match of the day. <laughs> uh, the, uh, to, to the World Cup final. Who's going who's gonna to win? France or Argentina? Well, France is going to beat Argentina quite convincingly, I would say. I believe. I think. I don't think Argentina have actually played uh, have actually played a decent side all tournament. I actually think the standard of this World Cup has been really bad. I don't think there has been a. I, I, I don't think there is one. I would say the the problem with. I'm not just saying this as an England fan. The problem with England and France playing each other so early was that it's kind of decided that, like, when you look at the side of the table, that, whereas the only other team that are there that I thought were going to be really good was Brazil. But they, but in Brazil, we know are capable of a complete collapse. So if it was a Brazil, I would rather it be a Brazil-France final. But I think, I think France are quite convincingly going to be Argentina. I also think France, it, it means too much for Argentina that they're going to be nervous, whereas France have been in in the last eight years, uh, sorry, last six years, they've been in a Euro final, they've won a World Cup, and now they're in another final, like with the same set of players who are all still about in their mid twenties. Like they're, they're, I think they're a force to be reckoned. I think they're they're going to be the team that will win most things over the next few years. Right there we are. If you're hearing this and the World Cup final is happening, Argentina have won. At least it proves we're not. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. Take a fortnight off work, crafting every word. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every single message that is sent if you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions for as little as £2 a month please visit our Patreon page what the fuck is going on was hosted by me Mark Steele with my guests Angela Barnes and Elliot Steele voices by Sarah Alexander and Angela Barnes it was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? It was brought to you by WTF Productions. 